0: In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, Merry Christmas. Thank you. There's a particular set of words in the Christmas gospel that makes it beautiful. The question is what those words are, and I'm not going to tell you yet. You're going to have to guess, at least until we get towards the end of this. And maybe to start getting at that, we should ponder something. We didn't read this, but it's a fairly well-known text. Romans 5, uh, probably best known uh, for the statement that God chose his love for us and that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. It also has a section where it talks about one would scarcely die for a good man, though for a righteous man, one might dare even to die. And in that text, the Lord gives four titles for ways in which he describes us. And this is the description of us in our fallen state. This is the result of the Genesis 3 text that we heard at the beginning of the service. Here are those three attributes that we carry with us from birth. Ungodly, wicked, sinners, enemies. So the question is that we need to ponder, when God shows up, When he shows up in the flesh, when he shows up to these ungodly, wicked, enemy sinners, what's he going to do? What should we expect from that? Well, what we would rightly expect is he's just going to destroy everyone. That's, after all, what you would do with the ungodly, wicked, enemy sinners. Well, we're starting to get a little bit hint of what's going on in the Christmas gospel already, even in this text, that God shows his love for us, and that while we are still sinners, Christ dies for us. So what's the thing, what's the word, the phrase that makes the Christmas gospel so wonderful, so beautiful, so comforting to us instead of being terrifying? Because God showing up should be a terrifying thing. That's why every time the angels show up to announce God, everybody's freaking out. And they always have to be told, don't be afraid. That's why the shepherds have to be told, very first thing, do not fear. Because they're pretty sure that they're about to be smote. I think that's the past tense of smite. When God shows up, we expect, rightly so, terror and wrath, destruction, condemnation, hell. If we understand who we are. So what is it that makes God showing up in the flesh of Jesus a comforting thing? Why is it that we don't treat the Lord the same way that the Greeks and the Romans treated their gods? Now, if you, if you don't know this, a little crash course in Greek and Roman mythology, is that the Greeks and the Romans, they would offer sacrifices to their gods, not because they loved their gods. They didn't. They were terrified of them. The last thing you want is Zeus to show up because you don't know what's gonna happen. They are unpredictable and they are mean. And so all the sacrifices are always to keep the gods away. You don't want the gods anywhere near you. That's what they're for. So why is this god different? Why is it a comfort that he draws near? Well, maybe it's that he gets proclaimed to be the Savior. Except not yet. That's not yet a comforting word. Because there's two temptations that we struggle with. One is that we're too good for a Savior, that I don't have sin that needs to be forgiven, so what do I need a Savior for? And the other side of that is I'm too bad for a Savior. I'm too wicked. There's no way Jesus would die for me. There's no way God would come for me. If God is coming, he's certainly going to just throw me in hell. Those are the two ditches of temptation that we have when it comes to God. That's our default. Either our own righteousness or our own despair. Neither of those, though, is faith. And so when the Lord shows up and he sees this unbelief, what's he going to do? Or... Maybe it's that he's the Lord showing up. Well, that kind of brings us back to the initial problem. And especially that we are very good at making all of our own lords. All those things that we trust in. All those things that are our gods. We have lots of them. All the things that we adore. All the things that we love. All the things that we trust and fear. And if you wonder where they are, and every single one of us, myself included, all of us have these. If you want to know where they are, you can do things like they say in, in things like politics. Follow the money. You can see where the back of it is. Right? Same is true for us. Follow where our money goes. Follow where our time and our effort and our emotions go. That, you'll find your gods in there. So what is the one true God? The God who says, I, the Lord, am a jealous God. The, I am the Lord. That is my name. My worship I give to no other. What's he going to do when he shows up and he sees us worshiping all of our false gods that we like to pull up in our lives? Here's a little hint. Maybe you've gotten here already. If I tell you that down the road there's a million dollars in the bank, eh, probably a million dollars in all the banks. But if I tell you instead, down the road, there is a million dollars in the bank for you. You're already out of your seat and running to the bank. Because those words change that sentence entirely. And that is exactly what is happening in the Christmas gospel. And if you blink, you miss it. It's one of these things. We know the gospel so well, we miss it. And it's what makes it beautiful. It's what makes it comforting. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Unto you, for you, not against you, not coming to destroy you, not coming to throw you into hell, for you. That's why it's comforting that he's the Savior. That's why it's comforting that he's the Lord. Because everything that Jesus is doing is for you. He's not coming in wrath and terror. He's coming in mercy and forgiveness with salvation and healing in his wings. He's incarnate for you. That's why he comes to be born of a virgin, as he's been promised. He's born for you. He lives, he preaches, he teaches for you. That's why these things are recorded in Scripture. He suffers for you. Maybe you were wondering why this was being read. And maybe you know it well enough that it's another one you blink and you miss the beautiful parts of this. This great text from Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed not. We're used to hearing this on Good Friday. And it is wonderful to hear it here as well. Because then, notice all the four yous that come up. Surely he's borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For you. That's what Isaiah is saying. This Savior is coming to do all these things for you. Not for someone else. Not for the person sitting next to you. For you, individually. Whatever your name is. Just say, Jesus died for, and then insert your name. Jesus was born for, and then insert your name. That's how this works. And he not only dies for you, but he's raised for you as well. And he ascends for you, and he is coming back for you. As he's promised, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming back. And so that in Christ then, because he is born for you, it changes those initial descriptors. You remember those? The ungodly, the wicked, the sinners, the enemies? In Christ, those are now different. Now, no longer the ungodly, but the righteous. Now, no longer the wicked, but the pure. Now, no longer the sinners, but the holy, the saints. Now, no longer enemies, but God's beloved children. Because Christ is for you, and not just on Christmas, not just in his birth, but every moment of his life, and every moment of eternity, he is for you. May this then, these words, be a constant source of comfort and peace for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword, sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.